This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. We have a lovely show to uh, for you today. Uh, I've already interviewed our special guest today, so we'll be playing that in a bit. That's with Alice Lowe, who uh, currently has a hit, critical hit at all the film festivals with her film Prevenge. Um, we had a great chat with her and one of the co-stars of that film, her at the time unborn baby, who is now born, and you will hear it, uh, hear her throughout the uh, throughout the interview. But I, I liked uh, uh, some of the things she said to the baby, the baby that's like months old. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff that went on. Um, but before we do that, I have uh, Mr. Boyd Hilton with me, who is here to tell us about exciting new television stuff that's coming up in the coming months. Hello, Boyd. Hello. Hello, Dan. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah. yeah. I'd say a couple of weeks necessarily than a couple of months. A couple of months it? takes us up to Christmas. I mean, I can talk about what's on the Christmas, but... Yeah, you maybe know. not yet. Maybe, maybe we'll get yet. you back maybe for that. Because yeah. I always criticise people for talking about Christmas in October. Right, right? exactly. So, yeah. yeah, let's not do that yeah, just no, yet. No. I'm, do you know, I'm worried about TV being <laughs> anywhere near as good I, as the news has been for yes. the last three. I mean, I wake I up every mean, morning yeah. and there's so many gifts in the form yeah. of the US election. Trump, and yeah. Yeah. It, I was talking about, I went to the Cheltenham Literary Festival. Very nice. week, yes, yeah. and I did a session um, where we talked about that and how a show like Veep, for example, which I love that mm-hmm. show, yeah, know, brilliant. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the, is the president; she's the president. Yeah, now, although at the end of the last series, she kind of isn't. Um, spoiler, how, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> but um, that show, brilliant as that show is, and it's full of incredibly ridiculous storylines they managed to make real. And none of it is as extraordinary as what's happening well, right now with Donald Trump. Yeah, people are saying that it's hard to do satire when yeah. the real thing is so absurd. But I'm not sure I agree with that because I'm loving watching. I just subscribed, and this isn't an advert. All, <laughs> all of the streaming devices are brilliant, equally brilliant. But because of shows like Westworld and The yes. Night of, and I kept yes. hearing, I'm not a Sky subscriber, so. I got this now TV yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's handy. Yeah, and it's and and one of the treats is at the beginning of each week. There's a new John Oliver. Mm. There's a new uh, Bill Maher. Yeah, and th- I mean they're just yeah, it's great. Yeah. It, Sky Atlantic it, is the best channel in in the world because it has the, all the best shows from HBO, the best shows from Showtime, and their own stuff's good as well. Yeah. So are we allowed incredible. to say this? We are. We are. Apparently, okay, producers saying this I mean, is I mean, okay. They're not paying me. No, but if you want to, sp- <laughs> uh, you know, sponsor us now TV or Sky or yeah. any of you, that that would be fine <laughs> with us. We. Uh, we have we have quite a lot of listeners um so yeah so i i'm sort of like oh god is is real made up t- is normal yeah, made yeah. up tv yeah. gonna be as fun as this um it's a good it's a good book do you know i've just remembered there was a show coming out a one-off show about mm-hmm. nigel farage coming out which is kind of i saw the little trailer yeah, thing which today. is kevin bishop yeah um, and he's, he's doing it, quite a good impersonation it, honestly, I, when, I, when I read the casting I thought Kevin doesn't end yeah. it like Nigel yeah, I mean yeah. he's a lot younger for a start yeah. but the makeup is very clever it just distorts his face enough enough yeah. but his vocals are amazing yeah. his impression of his him is remarkable very so good. It's, and it's really funny it's just it kind of looks at what imagines what Nigel was up to post Brexit with a, <sighs> literally cool. nothing in his life do you, do you know when that's on? yes that is on um, on the Sunday I think it's the 30th of October so the last Sunday in October in okay. a couple of weeks yeah yeah, yeah. great well wow, I look forward and do you know anyone who's involved in like who wrote it or um, 
Do you know what? I want to say um, that, you know those guys who write for Jonathan Ross and you is probably see... You know them. Yeah, I'm pretty much Sean Pye. I think Sean Pye is one of the okay. writers. And if he's not, I apologise, but I'm pretty sure he is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you well, go. This is good. He, I think he wrote Kev- Kevin Bishop's thing he did about snooker. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think Sean co-wrote that, so I'm pretty sure he did also well, we, co-wrote keeping this. in tradition with uh, Donald Trump, we yes. are, we are, we'll have someone fact-check us yeah, yeah, afterwards, yeah. Right. Uh, but we'll just say whatever we think <laughs> yeah. right now. I'm 90% sure that's true. I, I do think satire in America is brilliant and I wish there was a bit more I've mm. mentioned this before but uh, I, I, I just think there's so much happening in this country and in America that there should be uh, there's yeah. the show on Dave which yes. I've not yet seen yeah that's that weekly show yeah, yeah Matt um, Ford, Ford. Well I haven't done. seen it yet so. I've seen it it's fine I would say that I think the problem is with all the British attempts to do that kind of weekly or nightly historical show in America John Oliver and um, Bill Maher's shows and all, you know the Daily Show they have 22 writers mm. you know all coming up with jokes for a half hour show mm-hmm. or an hour show maybe yeah. maximum whereas I imagine my guess is that Matt's show on Dave has like one yeah. and a half writers yeah. it's probably it's him maybe one other person and it, it's hard it's just hard Maybe they should flash that up at the beginning of the... So then we can actually appreciate it for for what it is. Um, Yeah, it is very difficult for... I think the money that must go into the production team and and staff and writers and stuff and those American shows must be huge. It's huge. Um, So what what are you excited about at the moment? Well, there's some good stuff. Let's just talk about TV. Let's just talk about TV. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, There's loads of good stuff. Netflix. uh, We've talked Mm. about Netflix before. Uh, yeah. Many times, but they've got two big things coming out. One starting Friday, starting t- today, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> if someone could fact check this, yeah. that would be great. Um, this week, Black Mirror is back. Charlie Brooker's mm-hmm. um, previously on Channel Four, the ridiculously talented, ridiculously Charlie Brooker. talented Charlie Charlie Brooker. So what happened was he did, I think, seven episodes into two series of three in the Christmas special yeah. um, of of Black Mirror, which is this show that kind of touches upon technology and in, in interesting and creepy ways. And they're all individual stories, sort be, of like comedic Philip K. Dick stories, isn't it? Brilliant yeah. description. Yeah, if Thank only you. I'd come up with that in my <laughs> preview of the, of the new series. <laughs> Still that. Um, and then so he did them for Channel Four, and then Netflix swooped in and said, can you do 12 new episodes for us and we'll pay you loads of money and we'll invest millions and millions of dollars in it and make it all. And he, mm-hmm. of course, said, yeah, so Channel 4 furious that they that they lost it to Netflix. But the first six episodes um, are all there in one go. Yeah. Um, they and was, Channel 4 was saving their money for the bake Well, exactly. That's now, yeah, so now, <laughs> quite, you know, they've, they're on the other side of the... So yeah. They're on the other side of the coin, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they've done the same thing to the BBC. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, I love Black Mirror. I think it's you know oh, it's, I, amazing. it's so good. Yeah, and I've seen all of them, all the new ones, six mm-hmm. new. So it's like you can binge on six completely different stories, all written or co-written by Charlie Brooker, and he's got like now like the suddenly Bryce Dallas Howard's in one mm-hmm. of them, um, J- uh, James N- J- James Nornier is in one of them. Yeah, um, and they're they're great. Like and they're kind of longer and more lavish. So they look amazing. One of them's like a ninety-minute film, basically, which is like wow. a Scandinavian crime thing that's really good. And there's one particular I was going mention which is called San Junipero so when you look at the six and you're wondering which one to watch first I'd go for this one which is all about two um, young women meet in in the 80s seemingly in the 80s in this kind of like weird kind of 
cafe come diner place mm-hmm. and they and they kind of just they're completely different one of them's really shy and the other one's really overbearing and kind of loud and they bond and then there's this huge big twist as to you know what what about the setting and about that mm-hmm. but it's so good it's like properly about it's really sweet and it's kind of quite for for black mirror it's not quite as cynical and disturbing as it usually is but it's great and, and i just thought that was a, one of the best ones he's done, he's done so far yeah. so have you seen them all i've seen them all yeah I sat, oh. i've seen yeah over the last kind of week or so because i'm like i get i get sent them in advance yeah, yeah. and they're all great they're all good you yeah. know some of them are a bit too long i would say and you know mm-hmm. but that one in particular i think is one of the best ones well, it's funny the, the length thing is uh interesting one because i know people often talk about why does you know we live in an age where people are making things for netflix amazon Mm. or whatever why are they still half an hour or an hour right and you know i've got a story to tell i can't tell it in that time but i think there's something about being forced to tell a story in a certain time yeah that actually those restrictions can help you absolutely and in fact i think possibly with black mirror maybe some of the very best episodes so far have been in that kind of channel mm-hmm. four hour slot yeah and they have kind of you know the, the structure of them has met with the fact that there are ad breaks and they've dealt with that and they kind of whereas it's quite different actually watching so these are mostly about an hour and yeah. they are funny you should say that because some of them are 58 minutes another might be an hour and three minutes so he's definitely taken on board the fact that he can do whatever the hell he yeah. wants within reason and I would say, I'm not sure if they're necessarily better generally than they were when they were 47 minutes or whatever mm-hmm. it was on Channel 4 with the ad breaks. They're still great, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're necessarily better, even though they're clearly more expensive yeah. and more lavish. Yeah, they must have had a lot of fun going uh, yeah, from, I mean, oh, we're used to only having, yeah, right. you know, we, people saying, no, you can't afford that. Yes. To like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, because people want to set mostly in one room or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, but. I thought the... Um, the one that was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was um, H- um, Hayley Atwell yeah. and Donald Gleeson. That was great, yeah. That was yeah. so good that when I went to see her, the Spike Jones film, yes. I was a bit like, well... It was similar, wasn't it? And not as good. They've yeah. done this, but <laughs> yeah. kind of better. Absolutely. And that touched on, of course, the, the issue of humans, which is another thing I was going to mention coming up soon, mm-hmm. and Westworld. Se- what a brilliant segue. A great segue. Yeah. But suddenly AI and... <laughs> It's all the rage. It's all the rage. Everyone's going on about AI. Well, um, so I haven't seen Humans, which we may get guests in who have... Oh, so I'm going to have to do have a to lot watch of it. watching soon. So Humans is great. You've is got it? a treat. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really good. So it's kind of, so, the, so Westworld has already started on well, Skylanter. Let's talk about Westworld yeah. in a sec, but yeah. Humans first. Humans is like the kind of smaller scale, actually, you know, kind of more domestic setting version okay. looking at Because it's on Channel 4 and they can't afford. Yeah, <laughs> partly, yeah. I mean, it does not, not to say it looks cheap no, no. or shoddy yeah. in any way, but compared to Westworld, everything looks cheap and shoddy because that's mm. like 20 million an episode I know it's yeah so um, Humans is set in a kind of alternative world where the synths as they're called live and work among us doing kind of mostly menial jobs that humans would rather not do mm-hmm. um, and they are they're absolutely lifelike they look exactly like humans the only way you know they're not is because they've got kind of weird shiny blue eyes mm-hmm. um, but what happened in the first series, so this is the start of the second series, starts um, in a couple of Mondays time, or Sunday's time, I think, 30th, I think, again. Um, Everything's coming every, out on the, the 30th. 30th. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um, so at the end of the last series, we, we found out that some, there was a band of like renegade synths, some of whom had a starting to get a consciousness. So there's kind of like, there's a program that gives Should we them, be saying spoiler alert here? Um, I know it's annoying, but... Well, should, that series has already case. been on, so okay. as far as I'm concerned, if you yeah. haven't seen it, you know, then I mean, then we've got to be allowed catch to... Catch up, guys. I mean, that's not... And that, and anyway, that's not a huge spoiler. Okay. Not, that's just okay. the general theme, if you like. For me, the, more than anyone else, yeah, actually. Yeah, actually, slight spoiler for you, when you have to catch up. So this series, st- this series starts with there's like a group of, of, of beings that are part 
purely synthetic, but tr- kind of getting a, some kind of consciousness okay. about themselves, which is surely the definition of, of humanity, of what it is to be human. And then there's the group of humans that helped them out at the end of the last series, and they've got new challenges. And there's a whole new story set in California where a kind of billionaire, um, young billionaire whiz kid is trying to get the world's leading expert on artificial intelligence to create a new proper artificial intelligence consciousness for him. So there's lots of different... It's, it's, it's a really ambitious series, basically. Mm-hmm. So even though I did slightly unfairly contrast it with Westworld in terms of budget, for it, it's, it, it's dealing with big issues, yeah. what it is to be human. It's got great cast. Catherine Parkinson, absolutely brilliant yep. as the main human, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, Tom Grimman-Hill is a husband who's a bit of, a, a bit of an idiot. Um, and then it's got... And you've got like Gemma Chan, who's the yep. main synth, and she's fantastic. It's just got... It's, it's, a, it's, it's one of the best dramas, I think... Um, that Channel 4 has years and it was, you know, it was the biggest drama hit for about 20 years so oh, it's great. a big deal yeah that's coming back um, so the AI thing uh, yeah. Westworld I've mm. watched the first two episodes yeah um, I, I can't I, I love it yeah but I still haven't I'm not like hook line right. sinker I know what you mean, just yeah. yet well what I was going to say was the contrast with humans is interesting so for me Westworld is this massive sprawling beast isn't yeah. it yeah. with three or four different big strands and and you get the sense there will be even more yes, as well yeah so you're yeah. not quite sure where you are and it, deliberately it's kind of keeping you guessing whereas humans feels much more grounded you mm-hmm. know even so you know in, a, in literally a domestic setting it's in you know it's set in a suburban house a lot of it with with a bit with those new elements that i mentioned okay so for me in a weird way even though i really like westwood i'm really enjoying it humans immediately i watched the first episode and thought oh yeah you know where you are with this yeah and it's kind of and the way it's dealing with the, the themes and the ideas of it is actually a bit more um, digestible than Westworld, which is being massive and sprawling and epic. I'm sure in the end, you know, we'll come together and, 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 and you know. And well, I hope not in the end. I'd rather it happen a well, bit I, sooner than. Oh, well, uh, would you? Oh, I think yeah. it's going to go on for about 60 episodes, probably. Well, I just least. mean, I just mean, oh, like, mean I'd like to know what's, what's going, going on, on a bit soon. sooner, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, I, I think. One thing I don't like uh, when uh, this happened with the film I watched recently, where uh, it turned, it's the film Midnight Special. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah, of course. Which I thought looked beautiful Mm. and great performances. I I love the guy's previous films, but I was a bit like, this is a film where basically all you're doing is withholding information until the very end. Yeah, I know. That to me is not thrilling. That's just frustrating. I I agree. And I think the problem with it is, that's fine if what the ending that it's working towards is so mind blowing that you think, Oh great! Oh Incredible, God, but actually, it. all, it, all it leads to in that film is kind of like uh, aliens have abducted this boy and he's yeah. gone to another. That's, yeah. This is a spoiler like, alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens in the end is like almost like well, that was that was in Close Encounters, like yeah. thirty years ago, wherever it was, and in many other films. So I'm since, just hoping yes. that in Westworld that they don't yes. go. We're just going to withhold what we know yeah. for a really long. I know what you, you mean. know. It would be. I, I, I like it when I feel like I'm having to do a bit of work when I'm watching yeah. stuff, but not to the point where it's. Well, are they ever going to tell us what's really? Yeah, the lost. It's the, the lost. Um, that was that was the big problem with that show for yeah. me. Is that it kept it kept kind of and it kept going down new avenues to to, to try and give you even more mm-hmm. mystifying questions and enigmas about the storyline. And never in the end ever made any sense. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, and this is JJ Abrams. Yeah, he's Yeah, I think it's one of the writers. I think is contributed. But it is. Fr- you know, I, I do really enjoy it, and yeah, um, yeah. It, it does look just stunning. It looks amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, anyway. it's, I'm nitpicking slightly. Yeah. Let's move on because mm. we've got a couple of other things to get in. Uh, we've yes. somehow stayed on AI for a very long I know. time. I'm sorry. 
so what else? What else? Um, well, there's, if you want, there's the big show starting on um, Monday is The Walking Dead returns. You know, The Walking Dead is now the biggest TV show in the world, pretty much. So forget Serious. Game of Thrones. Seriously, yeah. So there's, and that's it's season eight, season seven, seven. Yeah, and the, there's all the spin-offs: the Fear of the Walking yeah. Dead, the there's the Talking Dead, the, which the, is the, talk- chat sh- the Talking Dead, yeah. Dead is also the big, the most popular chat show in America now. Oh How about that? God. It's the ch- sh- an hour long chat after every episode in which they just talk about the Walking Dead. It's bigger than the Tonight Show and Jimmy. You know, all those people. We should have. They it's should do the Sitting Dead, where they're good just idea. all sitting around. Chatting. You could host that. Yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at um, sitting. I really like it. You know, clearly, you, you know, if you haven't watched. Do you think? Well, it's just like a bunch of zombies, you know, post apocalypse. No, I like it. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm not fine. nuts about it. I, think, like, I do yeah. think, I can see why, but the, the, the success of it is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it has, it's just caught on an extraordinary manner. I mean, the um, fact that it does bigger numbers than yeah. network telly it's out insane. there is crazy. It's absolutely insane. And of course, it ended last year with this new character, Negan, taking a baseball bat to one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. And now we find out, we'll find out Monday night on Fox at nine o'clock exactly who, which character. And I think that is a great kind of TV moment if you like of the year because they ended on a massive cliffhanger and everyone got really annoyed but now it's it's worth it because we'll see yeah. who the slaughtered oh. grotesquely slaughtered person we love is. the cliffhanger don't yeah. we so that's really good and I want to mention quickly The Young Pope which is also on Sky I'm Atlantic. really looking forward to this yeah this is an dim- insane absolutely preposterous and yet really entertaining show Paolo Sor- Sorrentino the film director I love his film The Great yeah, Beauty Great Beauty and amazing. he did Youth yeah. last year with yeah, Michael yeah. Caine I haven't seen that good. Yet, not as good yeah. as The yeah. Great Beauty was amazing well this is kind of like Imagine, so the story of this is Jude Law is an American born in Brooklyn, Catholic, but somehow becomes Already Pope. Already struggling to imagine Somehow it. becomes Pope, yeah. Not only do you have to imagine Jude, Jude Law with a Brooklyn a Bro- accent, yeah. um, but he becomes the Pope in the least likely papal election in history. Um, he's the youngest Pope ever in this thing. And he, and the, but the kind of funny twist of it is that he ends up being more conservative than all the other popes that we've had in recent years. So he's this young guy and everything, so he's going to be really, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of turn the tide of um, conservative Catholicism. But no, far from it. He's really kind of nasty, vindictive, and horrible. And his uh, mother figure, not his actual mum, his mother figure is this nun played by Diane Keaton. The whole thing is mad, who's hilarious as this kind of crazed nun. I just love the sound of it. And this the whole sound. thing opens with an incredibly long and detailed and ridiculous dream sequence that includes him talking about um, contraception and gay rights to a huge crowd at the Vatican. And is it shot like his it's films? Like, it's absolutely, oh, yeah, man. shot like his films. So it's, I think it's um, eight parts. So it's like an eight-hour Paolo Sorrentino film with Jude Law as a Brooklyn Pope. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sold, yeah. but I'm not sure the mainstream will be. <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's, it's a challenge, yeah. That starts next Thursday on Sky, on Sky Atlantic. Should be able to see that on your Now um, TV. Well, we've run out of time, I'm oh, afraid, okay. Boyd. I want to talk more uh, about more things, but no. um, you'll have to come back and sure. we'll, we'll talk. We will do a Christmas yeah. uh, uh, preview. Sure um, we can circle the Radio Times together. Did you, did you used to do that? Magazine. Oh, sorry. We, do, we, do, we have a TV guy yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, I forgot that. <laughs> Um, so uh, now I'm going to play uh, an interview I did with Alice Lowe. You'll know her from, um, and it's you know a test testament to uh, how many, how much people love this show. But because we still reference from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, and of course she co-wrote and co-starred in the um, cult hit film Sightseers a few years back. She is now written, directed, and is starring in. And she did all this whilst pregnant um, in a film called Prevenge, which is doing really well at the film festival. And we had this great chat. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello, Alice Lowe. <laughs> uh, I'm sat here with uh, Alice Lowe and the real star of the uh, film festival 
hit Prevenge. Do you say Prevenge or Prevenge? I say Prevenge. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I can't really dictate how people pronounce it. Has I feel anyone, that's gone out of my hands now. Yeah. Has anyone pronounced it differently to Prevenge? Yeah, people quite say? often say Prevenge. Makes yeah. me laugh when they do. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't exist as a word, so no. people can say whatever they want, they can, really. They can make it up. Uh, it did uh, occur to me, so just so the people at home know uh, or the situation here, in case they hear some strange sounds just to the uh, left of them, you are sat with your um, your Small. sort of co-lead yeah. of the movie, Della Sinnott. Yeah, Della Moon Sinnott. I was going to say that I'd brought my pet chimp. Oh yeah, we should have done that. Well, maybe we will edit it out. And okay. So you're set with your pet <laughs> chimp. Uh, you, you are literally feeding the chimp banana as I we am. speak. I'm feeding the chimp bits of banana um, to stop the chimp from breaking out into song. Uh, first question. Um, I think this is probably going to be the most important question. Are you sick already of describing your film? Because I know you've screened it a lot already. Do you know what? I think you have to be grateful in these circumstances. You have to say, I'm not like George Clooney sort of having to go on a press junket of his 50th film, which is a pile of rubbish Mm -hmm. that he doesn't care about. It's like... For eight months straight. Yeah. (laughs) I, I have to say that, like, you know it's a joy when you get to talk about your own film you're kind of like oh my god someone bothered to watch it that's really amazing I can't ever interested can't ever look a gift horse but I mean I've started to fall into certain patterns now of the way I describe it do you know what I mean okay give me um, I want the version the sort of PR version (laughs) and then the just between you and me version (laughs) so PR version the PR version is a pregnant woman takes revenge in this twisted, uh, darker than dark comic, dark comedy, or something like that. You, <laughs> you really need to work on dark. your PR. I know, I know, I'm pretty bad. Um, and then the non PR version is it's a pretty weird film. <laughs> but it's lots of that different things. That was weirdly more, that was pretty, <laughs> that, that was better. better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the lesson is I should just relax, right, when I'm doing the PR and. and Tell and, it like and, it is. And feed your chimp. Yeah, fe- be feeding the, I usually am feeding the chimp in every interview. I find it sort of makes people be nice to me. It's like a sort of blackmail tool. Yeah, it's, like, it's a, a sort of weird social lubricant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, remember I've got mouths to feed here, is what yeah. I'm saying. And also, you know, I make her smile at them and it melts the hardest of hearts. Oh. Did you, um, so you said it, you have to always re- uh, mention that it's dark. Is that because... Um, you want people to know you know it's dark or in case they think, wow, does um, she know how fucked up she know. is? I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't know how fucked up I am, maybe. Um, so that's one element of mm. it. But yeah, it's that thing of like, you could say it's comedy and people might expect they're going to get knocked up or something like that. Or they might, and it is, re- you know, there's because stuff in it. Because of the baby that, element as well. Yeah. 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 Well, it's really... Hilarious comedy about <laughs> being eight months pregnant. But it's gory as well, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, it's it's... It might not be what people are expecting, so I kind of like to prep them a little bit. My mum and dad are dreading seeing it. Are they? My mum was like, oh, well, we've got to sit through this. <laughs> she literally <laughs> said it. That's how she said it the other day. Oh, she said, we've got to sit through it. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be horrific. She just, she just thinks about what the impact is going to be, you know, with the locals of mm-hmm. her small town that she lives in and mm-hmm. whether they'll 
Of course. Whether they'll enjoy it or not. One so. day you'll be like that about uh, Della. You know. Oh, I know, I know. I'm no. sure. My mum once said uh, about something I made. Um, you know, it's like uh, it's like art, isn't it? It's like <laughs> I, I, I don't, oh, I don't nice. really like it, but I sort of appreciate the work that's gone into it. I'm like, oh, okay. I think I, that's a I compliment. I appreciate that you like it. Yeah. But I hate it. I hate but, it. <laughs> so, um, did I, I? I presume the answer to this uh, uh, is that you wrote this when you were pregnant yes i was actually or was pregnant. it an idea that you had that you went out and got pregnant for <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of method acting and i yeah. just thought i've got to get knocked up yeah. in order for this to, to be believable to be real because those those baby bumps that they put on eastenders actors never look real do they no they don't but i think sometimes my bump doesn't look real in the film because she was quite stubborn in that she wasn't um the right way around she was sort of sideways mm-hmm. she gives you like a not even bump my bump wasn't even yeah. And I was like, someone is going to write some sort of letter of complaint to some imaginary film film body. Uh, that, that, it sounds to me like that might be a song Beyonce would write. My bump is... He's wonky. He's wonky. That could be her new concept yeah. for the album. But, yeah. be, but that will be more about, like, I don't know, you know, like, it will be about her amazing bum or something. Yeah. You know. My yeah, her amazingly symmetrical bum, yeah. even though the bum is wonky. Uh, so you were pregnant and you thought, how can I use this for my career? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you I thought you had, so. you just had an idea? Did it just hit you? Well, I did this film called Black Mountain Poets, which was like a five-day shoot mm-hmm. and it was with a director called Jamie Adams yeah, I, know, I know the film and, and Jamie yeah and yeah that was completely improvised oh he's probably tried to corral you into <laughs> starring in his new whatever it is I've, he's doing we've 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 had messages yeah yeah he's a Facebook warrior um but he so basically he'd sort of twisted my arm into doing this film which I was like how can you make a feature film in five days but okay what have I got to lose I'll just find out and then the film turned out really well and it was really good people in it yeah Went to Sundance, went to South by Southwest, you know, got some really good reviews and it made me realise that it's possible to make a film in such a short time. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, it was kind of improvised, it's all dialogue and stuff and I was like, well, I'd like to do something. Anyway, he basically said to me, let's do another one and I was like, I'd love to but I'm pregnant, can't really do it. And then I kind of went away and sort of thought, well, he's kind of offering me an open slate mm-hmm. to do whatever I thought would be a good idea. Um, and I came back to him with a pregnancy revenge thriller. And he was like, let's do it. Um, thing is, I don't really make stuff like that. I make rom-coms. So I think you should direct it. Which I was like, Ugh. you know, I wanted to direct anyway. Mm-hmm. But I just wasn't planning on doing it pregnant necessarily. Yeah. It's not always the the it's ideal not, scenario no, for your first time no exactly but I kind of thought you know what it's mad it's crazy but I should just do it and it might work and I'm quite relaxed as well I don't really like stress I just elect to not be stressed by things so I was like oh, there's no way I'm going to let it stress me out I'm just going to say that I'm going to do it by the way that's it. an amazing philosophy <laughs> I just elect to not get stressed that is you, you should be one of these vloggers on YouTube that you know, I, like I a keep thinking I should write a book, person. but it would be just really... Uh, I would get really slated for it because it would reveal how lazy I am <laughs> as a human being because I'd just be like, to cut corners, ignore your child. Yeah. It would be things like that. 
I don't ignore her. I do pay her attention. Which, as you we, can see yeah, now, I'm yeah. demonstrating if, me if paying anything, attention. If anything, I'm feeling a little bit ignored. like you're not. Yeah, ignored. Do you want a bit of banana? <laughs> <laughs> Shall I put it in your mouth? Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Is that nice? Yeah. Good. Oh, thank you. I'll wipe, I'll wipe your face later. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but, you yeah. thought that was funny too. She's developing a sense of humour by coming along to these things. Um, yeah, I just thought, well, you know, having the baby is more important. So how... I'm not going to let it. If I if if I start getting ill or something, I'm not going to. I'll just stop doing it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'll just go. Sorry, guys, I'm too ill with pregnancy. I know I've blown your budget, but yeah. (laughs) Well, does that did that sort of thing not concern you, or is that part of the de-stressing that you're good at? Is not worrying about those. I think that I always turn in my homework and I generally find ways of getting stuff done. Yeah. So I sort of was confident I was going to find a way of doing it. And like even the producer said to me afterwards, like if you had been ill, the worst that would have happened is we would have stopped shooting for a week or we would have stopped shooting for a year and we would have picked the rest of it up a mm-hmm. year later or whatever. It didn't, you know, it didn't have to be the way that we shot it. There was no sort of real constrictions. It's not like... We'll cut around your beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, there was no... There was no reason that we couldn't have done it like that. So it was quite relaxed. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really had that conversation with them, but I think it was just like, it's happening, it's going ahead, it'll be fine. And then it was. But I also, I mean, I did say we've got to shoot over a really short amount of time. So... I knew we could only shoot like But presumably nothing bad happened. Nothing yeah. nothing bad happened but also I just I'd sort of said, look, we've got to shoot it really quickly for continuity because my bump is getting bigger all the time and at some point I will give birth. So we've got to shoot really quickly and I knew I wouldn't have energy to shoot for 6 weeks as well. Mm-hmm. That would have been really So how long did you shoot for? We shot for 11 days. Wow. Originally it was 8 days shoot that we scheduled for because oh I was God. like right we did 5 days on Black Mountain Poets but this is going to have like murders and stuff in yeah, it. Yeah. So we need 3 extra days to do the special like effects. More physical stuff. And yeah. And how, how, the, the question I cuz I just shot a short film and uh you know the limitations of anything low budget or no budget is like how do you make things look cinematic or um, and did you I think it's your DOP yeah. is key but also I'm very much like everything is in camera so um, you know all the lighting was preset mm-hmm. but that just meant we had to find places that were geographically interesting or not even geographically like you know we shot in tunnel there was like a couple of scenes that I wrote in tunnels and mm-hmm. we found like these really cool looking tunnels in Cardiff that were really amazingly lit and really weird colours and stuff and um, so just kind of like I say production design, but I mean the production design that you find for free, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, like, literally the locations, we were sort of renting them, and I was going, well, look, that's got some good neon lighting in the architraves. Yeah. That'll look good on camera. Yeah, yeah. So you're not having to think about it. But there are loads of things like that, which is kind of more 70s ethos of mm-hmm. filming. And if you've got a DOP who's got an eye for all of that stuff, I think it's surprisingly easy to make things look... Especially with the technology we've got as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, also, also the script was about 70 pages long. So I wasn't absolutely sure I had a feature film. (laughs) Um, Or a really long short film. film. Yeah, a really (laughs) long short film. 
Um, but actually, a producer called Andy Stark, who produced Steve's film mm-hmm. and lots of Ben Wheatley's films, he said to me, um, I gave him another script that I was thinking about developing, and he said, make it 75 pages long. Because especially on your first film, if you want to do some messing around and making things look fancy and you, you want a whole day shooting a tunnel or mm-hmm. a whole day shooting a lake or or whatever, you know, you might have a, a visual sequence mm-hmm. which you just want a bit of time to play around, you know, some thinking time for the audience where the character's just walking through a misty field. Schedule that in. That's not yeah. spoken, but it's it's important. And I thought that was really, really interesting because when you give someone 70 pages, then 11 days doesn't seem so bad. Whereas if you give someone 120 pages... That's really good advice. I've always been of the opinion that you shoot more than you need. But yeah. you, start, you start that with the script. But actually, that does mean you end up getting the coverage and not all the extra fancy little bits because you're just getting those page count. Well, I think the- he gave the same advice to Gareth Tunley, who's just done The Ghoul. Yeah. And um, his script was like a tight 80. It just forces you to get rid of those scenes which probably you'd lose in the edit anyway because they're not absolutely necessary. And, um, yeah, I think it's a really good ethos because a lot of filmmaking books make you think you've got to write 120 pages, Mm -hmm. which is why you end up with a three-hour opus (laughs) once you've put all your visual sequences in as well, as well as all the dialogue. Um, an opus that's an hour and a half too long. Yeah, exactly. It's really boring. I mean, the whole thing just seemed crazy. I remember seeing you whilst you were pregnant in, must have been August last year. Yeah. And within a year, you've made a film and it's already doing the festival circuit, <laughs> which is like the polar opposite of what you had on Sightseers, which was like a six years in the making. Yeah. And from beginning to end, what was the process how long did it take um, from so when i was about six months i came up with the idea you then, mean pregnant not y- old yeah when i was six <laughs> months old i had the idea for this film when i was six months pregnant i had the idea wrote a pitch i wrote a pitch and then i wrote the script in about two weeks uh, then we started sort of pre-production basically um over the next month and then we filmed and then and now you're already, you've been at several festivals already. Yeah, I mean, so the editing process was relatively long in okay. relation, like eight months, which is oh, wow. kind of normal yeah. for a feature film, but not when you've just shot it in 11 days. I think they thought it'd be quicker. And, and not I was when like, you're doing it on a small budget either, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think probably the most of the budget went on post-production, went on yeah. to be honest. Um just because I didn't know how available I'd be. I wasn't doing like 24-7 mm-hmm. like a normal director would mm-hmm. with their feature just in the edit all the time. I was kind of like doing what I could. Although you know? I know quite a few, uh, I've got a good editor friend of mine. He works with Danny Boyle and Matthew Vaughan and all sorts of big directors. And apparently they come in, do one day, give all the notes, leave and let them get on with it. So I think, I think it's a taste thing about whether you like being there every second I think it's healthy actually to have a break. I mean, what I really learned from it was I was doing it at home and I was kind of really not sure what the film was. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it goes through a lot of different tonal shifts, Mm -hmm. which was something I wanted to do deliberately. Um, But basically I was sort of by myself. I was sort of at home with the baby, with my partner, and I'd be watching the rushes 
and then making notes and sending them to the editor doing everything quite in isolation which I think is quite a rare opportunity yeah. quite interesting because it meant that I got to have proper thinking time about how the film was making me feel, mm-hmm. feel and how I wanted it to make people feel and I kind of could make some really I didn't have like loads of people popping into the edit like putting pressure on me you know like execs coming in going well I don't think this is working you need to edit it so that this is better or that is better didn't have any of that so I think that was actually really like privileged circumstance Mm -hmm. to be in but quite a good way of doing it as well so when when your next thing you do you'll get a um, a load of money and then you will have a hundred <laughs> I mean that's I the know. that's the reward of doing something low budget isn't it it's well that's why I actually want to take it a bit slowly I don't want to suddenly have like the world and its wife invested in the film and like you know suddenly I've got Vigo, Vigo Mortensen or whoever <laughs> in the film I mean that's the sort of thing that I can that, happen in yeah. a weird way cause Mortensen is it is Mortensen or is it know. Mortensen it could be Mortensen I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I think... But you know what I mean. And I can just, see Vigo in one of your films, you know. Yeah, I can. Like playing a brummy um, <laughs> factory worker. <laughs> like this. He's with a really speaks. bad, weird accent. Yeah. He speaks like this. <laughs> but with making absolutely zero attempts at the brummy accent. Um... So you must now be thinking, hang on, why did that film I did with Steve Oram t- take six years when you can do it in this time? Oh, it's so ridiculous. I mean, actually... Do you see the different benefits from all that w- that prep and years of development? I do. Or are you cynical? I, do. Are you I mean, like, when I talk to people about the film, I am like, this film hasn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. I have been trying to direct a film for four years since Sightseers, yeah, which, yeah. you know, has just been going through development limbo so it's sort of like an accumulation of all of the things that I've learned I suppose isn't it yes Della, how was it for you um, act in your first movie before you were even born Um, what prep did you do (laughs) she's just (laughs) trying to eat the microphone I just handed it to her and she actually like she wanted to put it in her mouth so she wants to do a tight five yeah yeah with the with the mic (laughs) Um, you must now become suddenly you're like the spokeswoman and icon of um, (laughs) you know the the pregnant feature director yeah I'm I'm the spokesperson for pregnant directors everywhere is there a lot of the because you're doing because you're doing lots of festivals do you like doing the festival circuit I mean what's your personal goal from doing because you you told me before we started uh, speaking that you're back to back yeah, I is mean, it it's just crazy. Is dis- distribution you, or do you want people to see it? Or It's a mixture. I mean, for me, um, I want people to see it and I want people to see it on a big screen mm-hmm. as well. And that's the thing that these festivals get sell-out audiences. Yeah, yeah. So suddenly you're playing to like a packed room, which is what the film was designed for, really. It's a cinema film yeah. and, you know, I don't and know what films level... with good budgets and promotion don't get packed cinemas anymore. So it's like, that's yeah. an amazing thing to to get and you get these appreciative audiences because it's genre festivals like sit jazz and um you know toronto to an extent is a is leans towards genre and um you know they know what they're getting this audience so they're like whooping and cheering Mm -hmm. and they're giving you a proper and mate they're just like so into it I remember going to the Fright Fest and seeing a horror film there and I'd never been a huge huge fan of I like the classic horrors but not like across the board a fan and they 
I didn't know it was going to happen. I was sitting there and the first time like someone's head exploded, the audience whooped and cheered. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a, like, a concert or I something. I saw Kill List with, I'd seen it by myself on a laptop mm-hmm. and it would freak me out because we were about to work with Ben. And then I saw it at Fright Fest and people were just like, these dark, really dark things that happen in it. People were like, woo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. Like, and I was like, oh, and it was a completely different experience. Yeah, then. it was kind of fun. It, yeah. makes, it makes it fun, yeah. And uh, it's such a growth market, the whole horror market, because of things like Fright Fest. Mm-hmm. You suddenly realise, like, wow, like there, there's a route for these films that it won't disappear necessarily because there's a, a tried and tested route for your film to do the circuit yeah. and go all around the world. And just, just, so were you into horror when you were younger? Was Is that something that you were a big fan of? I've always been into horror, like Have a you? total weirdo. I, I remember working with Matt Holness and Rich Dayuardi mm-hmm. and, they, you know, they, they wanted to work with an actress and so they asked me if I wanted to be in their show. This is when it was an Edinburgh show. Yeah. Um, they didn't You're talking, know. of course, about Garth, Garth Marenghi. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so... They didn't know I was into horror, so they'd be talking like about obscure films like Children of the Corn and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I've seen that." And they'd be like, "What? What? Why? <laughs> Why have you seen it?" Well, and I'd for be so like, many well, years, like, it was yeah. like the geek teenage boy um, genre. It's the same with comic book, and now it's like that's almost the mainstream. Mm. But in the eighties and early nineties, it was like that was on the periphery, wasn't it? That mm. stuff, and certainly wouldn't wasn't a girl genre thing yeah no. well it's weird they're now finding out that women really dig horror and mm-hmm. it's not expected but i mean kind of makes sense to me when you think about like mary shelley wrote frankenstein yeah. and, and yeah. women give birth you know it's like women see women see blood every month let's yeah. say yeah, it's yeah. not it doesn't surprise me that women are into like ghostly and monstrous things and but it's something that people are only realising now and sort of tapping into that. Um, Do you think it's a certain type of horror that women prefer than, you know, than like, like d- d- yeah. slasher films yeah, and all that? You remember the, the, the saw sort of that whole, what do they used yeah. to call like torture porn? Torture porn, I yeah. I don't know if that, maybe... I mean, personally, I'm not that into torture porn. I think it's boring, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I can't speak for other women. I mean, it is boring, some... that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, when you're not invested in story and characters, things are boring, but it's such a weird just... word to associate with such, like, <laughs> visceral stuff going on, well, isn't it? Well, you might as well be watching vegetables getting <laughs> sl- cut up or something on a yeah. video. I suppose that's what Barbarian Sound Studio is a bit like that. Chatting to someone else about this, I, th- I think it was Robert Popper, we were talking about how um, TV at night like certainly up until about 10 years ago or something you used to find really amazing things yeah. on after midnight yeah like really weird culty sort of stuff and yeah and that, it's not like that anymore yeah. it's a real shame I so used i don't to know what students are well they're watching netflix obviously but <laughs> that thing where you're kind of forced to discover something odd yeah like definitely my whole childhood was like that i remember sort of going to school and going did anyone see this thing on last night? It was called With Nail and I. Did yeah. anyone see it? Yeah. And like, there'd be one other weirdo going, yeah, I saw that. It was really good, wasn't it? Was yeah. it good? Was it good? We don't even know. Because like, my, you know, you just think you're the only person in the world that's seen it yeah. in a weird sort of way. One of my, one of my favourite instances of that was when I was, uh, I was at school and I'd never heard of Viz. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, I, 
I'd watched this documentary in inverted commas about how Keith Chegwin had um, lost everything, and he was there was like this shot of him walking down a um, like a, 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 a river bank where the there's, the river's all dr- droughted, and he's picking up old condoms and and like cans <laughs> and keeping them. And and the next morning, I was saying to him, "Do you see that documentary about Keith Chegwin? Man, his life's got really bad." And then as I was saying it, I it was almost like I realised. Oh shit! It was a spoof documentary, a wasn't it? And someone else said, "Yeah, it was that." You know, Viz do these um, like spoof documentaries. <laughs> That's but how you can get really confused as a child by these things. Like there was a science program. You know, was it called like How to or something? Yeah, yeah. And I remember there was this thing where it said, "We don't know anything about the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. For all we know, she might have worn jeans." <laughs> in the picture do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and I said to my dad he said is that true and he said yes <laughs> just no reason just went oh yeah probably wasn't Didn't listening it. and for Denim ages I been thought invented yet, but, yeah you know, but it's the, they've got a point anything could be going on down there <laughs> down a penis there. A, pe- a penis yeah. could be going on down she there she may have been the first famous transsexual <laughs> in the world you never know yeah um, that is I like your dad for saying that I know but yeah. it it was confusing for many years. Um, so uh, you sort of carved yourself a uh, brand now. I even I read a review of your film. I think it was The Guardian. I could be wrong. A really lovely review. But at the end it said, but Lo must start making other genres <laughs> if she wants to be. And I, it was things, Guardian. Was it, it was. Yeah. Two things about that that made me laugh was one, the, presu- the sort of arrogance of a journalist who feels like they need to give you career advice. <laughs> But, um, He's probably right, though. But secondly, maybe I was like, well, maybe that's what she wants to do. Yeah, well, I mean... I don't know. Do you want to do, like, a com- an out-and-out rom-com or something? I like- mean, it's tricky because, like, horror is a genre. Yeah. And as I said, there's tried and tested routes where you can... It's commercial, yeah. you know? Um, but on the other hand, like, I don't... I don't go out of my way to make horrors, actually. I just sort of go, I've got an idea, let's see if it works. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do, like, sci-fi or mm-hmm. a, like, period thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd all be weird. They'd all have their own idea to they'd them. They'd have their low They'd have their, their, low, <laughs> their low twist, of course. But, I, yeah, I mean, I don't pigeonhole myself particularly, but I kind of knew what he meant. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of reaching this new zen with, with uh, reviews and stuff, which I think you have to in our not line of work yeah. yeah I don't care it's not as much that it's not that I don't care it's also I feel like I'm learning from them as well like sometimes okay. I do look at a review yeah and we, we've been pretty lucky we haven't really had any bad reviews but you know someone says oh it's a bit episodic the film and I'm like it is <laughs> it is episodic well done no one else really noticed that everyone uh, else seemed to not mind but you did but maybe I'll learn from that and like- make the next one not episodic I like the idea that you're going on the comments board of all your reviews and, <laughs> and reviewing their review. Yep, you, you got this one right, actually. <laughs> I'd love that. Someone should definitely do this. It more annoys me in something like a, a live show. I mean, mm-hmm. you must understand that as well. Like a live show or like a one-man show or a play where you've literally poured your every ounce of sweat into doing a show mm-hmm. and someone pans it just for the sake of a neat headline or something like that or they 
I don't know. And also, and you you've just, got to go out the next night and do the and show. Do it again. And, and, and that's in your head. And, and you sort of go, if you had made any shows at all as a reviewer, you would know what had gone into this. Yeah. And you would be able to appreciate something about it. Just something, yeah, even yeah, if yeah. you hated it. My, my worst one is when uh, um, a reviewer or a critic is in an audience of people absolutely wailing with laughter and then they pan the show oh, yeah. and make no mention of the fact that it's a crowd everyone pleaser. else seemed to yeah. like it yeah, well you yeah. see that is what Peter Bradshaw said and I think that's really interesting because that's the thing about films is they see films in isolation yeah. as a, a press screening so they sat next to other critics which can you imagine a more oh, joyless man. experience <laughs> than not to diss critics of course but no. more but that sort of sense of like everyone's there with their analytical head on and it's work and if it's a comedy, I just don't think that's the most conducive. Yeah, yeah. And he sort of said that. He sort of said um, our response, the critic response to the film was quite subdued. But I have the feeling this would play to a, 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 a raucous room really well or something yeah. to that effect. Which I kind of, you agree with that as well, don't you, chimp? But, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like there's no acknowledgement of, like, this would play better to a horror audience or this... Mm-hmm. Like, I once had a play review when I was a student that said, I hate devised theatre. That was how it started. I hate devised theatre. And this was no exception. I just felt like, well, why did they send yeah. you? Why did they send someone who's an expert in devised theatre? You it wouldn't believe really a wine ha- review from someone who goes, I hate wine. <laughs> this tasted like piss. Just don't drink it. I know it. nothing about wine, but what I do know is I don't like this. <laughs> Um, it's the same as like music. Like, why send someone that hates heavy metal to review a heavy metal concert? You know, it's just the genres don't seem as defined in in comedy. Um, now we're going to wrap up, but just before we do, you picked a guilty pleasure. We get I get my guests to pick a film they either know is bad, but they love for some reason, or they think is underrated. And you picked Legend. Legend <laughs> by Ridley Scott. I don't know why I'm laughing at that. Do you think it's bad but you love it or do you think it's underrated? I think it's underrated Yeah. because I think it's one of these... I have to say, because we only decided this this morning, I've never seen Legend. Haven't you? No. It's always one that I've been a bit like, I'm not, you know... It's very peculiar. Isn't it like a second or third film? uh, It's with Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean... It's a really weird choice for Ridley Scott yeah. that he just went, I'm going to do a fantasy. And there was a spate of fan- fantasy films around that era, which I loved all of them, mm-hmm. you know, with that childish, very non-critical kind of thing. I just thought it was the genre uh, What for are me. the others that you're thinking of? Um, Labyrinth, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, mm-hmm. the kind of Jim Henson-y ones. But there were also ones like Krull and yeah. stuff, which was slightly earlier. And that was a kind of Star Wars spin-off. Mm-hmm. Um, so suddenly there was a load of directors going, hey, I'm going to make fantasy without necessarily knowing what they were doing or getting themselves into. And a lot of sort of weird, them embracing the kind of psychosexual Freudian subtext of a lot of those stories. And so Legend is a gro- it is for adults, yeah. apparently. Um, and there is a lot of really weird, strange stuff So in maybe it. that's why it wasn't ever a hit at the time, yeah. because fantasy back then was considered something for kids, yeah. like the never-ending never story, story or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, to do one for grown-ups, maybe at the time, like, almost in the way that, like, superhero films now are for everyone, but back mm. then they were just for kids. 
But also it's that interesting thing about genre, isn't it? Because someone was saying, what is genre? And I was kind of going, well, all that genre is, is once someone told a story that was successful and it was so successful that people started to copy it. And that's all that genre is. So I kind of like films that slip between genre because it's people genuinely trying something new out. And just because it didn't catch on in a popular way doesn't mean there isn't something really interesting about it. I've I tried pitching stuff before, writing stuff, and the response I get is, well, the thing is, is it's sort of kind of not one thing or another. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but weirdly, they're the films I really like. Yeah. You know, that sort of take a bit from different places. And Well, that's what my film is like as well. I kind of said, but it, it isn't one genre. It's kind of a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this. And I think when you've got such savvy audiences now, mm-hmm. you need to do something like that to shake them up and make them actually take notice and go, what the... F- what yeah. the fuck's going on in this film? Do you <laughs> think it's just because of marketing? It's like, how do we sell this in one clean sentence? Yeah, or how do we get financing yeah. for it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like um, what would be a good genre mashup? Like a horror rom... No, no, they've done horror rom-coms, I guess. There's, there's got to be something that's yet to I be was, done. I was kind of toying with the idea of doing a British superhero movie, which Super Bob kind of does, but I kind of thought if you did a Marvel yeah. one where it's a group of people, that'd be quite funny. That would be good. Um, or what about a um, Ken Loach does um, <laughs> fantasy? So you'd have like Kez, but Kez is a kestrel of almighty proportions yeah, with like from an alien proboscis. Yeah. And it's come from a planet <laughs> where they've cut benefits. Yeah. <laughs> and That's it's really Avatar. Angry. We're just talking about Avatar, yeah. which was on last night. That's true. That's actually. probably why it's in my head. Um, well, I think it's a great choice, and I'm going to re watch it now yeah. that I've actually got, I can go home and re watch it. Um, I'm not re watch I've never seen it. I'll watch it. Mm. Um, I like that one. So thanks for talking to us. Uh, it's been lovely chatting to you. Hopefully, the um, the planes, the sirens, <laughs> the doors, the baby, the baby's fine Richard. because that's part of the interview. Richard There's over there. There's Richard over there. Yeah, we should um, say hi to him. Hi, maybe. Richard. Um, and um, just to play out one, uh, I've already played one of your songs. Um, oh, cool. Uh, but this is your second choice, which is uh, from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Why do you love this so much? And which which song? Tell the audience I which love, song it is um, you love. I love uh, Judas's song, which, um, which I think it's called Trouble On My Mind, I okay. think. Yeah. Oh, your followers are blind. Oh, Heaven On The Mind, maybe yeah. that's what it is. Sorry, I'm terrible at stuff like this. Heaven On Your Mind. Oh, heaven On Your Mind? Heaven what? On Their Mind. Anyway, it's Judas's song, which mm-hmm. Carl Anderson plays in the film, and he is like the most incredible performer ever. I think you, I defy anyone to not think that he's incredible in that mm-hmm. film, and he had quite a tragic demise, but he was like, his performance is just incredible. And um, sometimes when I'm feeling really bad about my career, I, a lot of songs from Jesus Christ Superstar come to my mind. <laughs> really? Do you like, see yourself as a sort as of Jesus? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that why? And you're annoyed that you haven't got disciples. Yeah, is that why? I am. God, why isn't it happening? I better rewatch bit, it. There's this bit that goes, After all I've tried for three years, seems like 30. And yeah, I just sort of go, I relate yeah, to that, that's, yeah. That's our careers in a nutshell, isn't it? Like, you sort of go, Oh, then I was inspired. Now I'm sad and tired. 
That's another let's one. Let's do it. Let's do the whole know, thing. No, let's do the whole thing. But it's just, I don't know. I just find it. I love it. It's my favourite musical. I used to watch it every Easter when it used to come on telly. Bless you. Yeah, bless you, Donna. Um, and I'm going to be bringing her up watching it. I just think it's funky as well. Yeah, it's like it Andrew Lloyd Webber has not done anything as good ever no. since, I don't think. And um, I love it. And I don't like it when they do new versions. They try to make it all urban. Like they try to sort of go, let's modernise it and have them with like graffiti. And maybe maybe Mary Magdalene can wear trainers. <laughs> and I'm like, why? It's born to be... The whole thing is it's about rock stars. It mm-hmm. should be a 60s, 70s thing. There should be no shame in casting it in that era because yeah, that's what makes it, it make yeah. sense. The style of the music, like the adoration, like the Jim Morrison style adoration mm-hmm. of Jesus. It all makes sense. So it annoys me when people don't do it in that era. There's <laughs> a good... Um, isn't there... There's a bit of a nod to it at the end of um, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, I think. That sort oh. of, is the age of the it's Aquarius? The age of Aquarius. Is, no, that's from that's, hair. I think. That's from hair. Yeah, I yes. get those two mixed up a lot. No, well, they are. There's a lot of it's hair in both of them as well. Yeah. It's like it's all similar sort of hippie, mm-hmm. hippie era musicals. Yeah. So I'm sure it was a bit of a bandwagon. We need that a bit of a revival in the hippie I era know. musical, don't we? I would. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, let's do it. Maybe that's what's that's, that's what's what next. <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to play out with that song. Thank you very much for joining us. And good luck Thanks for having me. with the rest of the 100 festivals you're going to. And have you got a release date yet? Have you got a distributor? It'll be early all? next year. Okay. Early 2017. Brilliant. The future. That sounds. Yeah, no. That genuinely sounds, sounds like the future so now, doesn't away. it? It's like Buck Rogers era. It's crazy. Okay, thank you. Thanks. My mind is clear now. This is a FUBAR radio podcast. Go to foobarradio.com for more details.